Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937, now with more than 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. Online at joneswalker.com. And Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana, featuring the card accepted by doctors in all 50 states. Information available at bcbsla.com or Twitter, hashtag TopDoctors. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and economist. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to today's Out to Lunch. When we hear news about how the country's economy is doing, commentators are quick to point out how vital small business is to the health of the nation. Having said that, they then refer to a large chunk of small business as non-essential. It's tough being vitally important and non-essential at the same time. My guests on Out to Lunch today are wonderful examples of small businesses that might be regarded as non-essential. But if it's your wedding day, a special occasion, or you just appreciate beauty, they're vitally important. Bonnie Broll is the owner of House of Broll and president of the House of Broll Foundation and past president of the Bridal Marketing Association of America. Bonnie has spent a good deal of her business life focused on wedding fashion and weddings themselves and is the recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Fashion Group International for her contributions to the fashion industry. Uh, Bonnie, welcome out to lunch. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here. And we uh, sometimes think of you as uh, the person with the wedding gowns, but after Katrina, that's not what you're doing, right? That's correct. I got everybody down the aisle safely after Katrina. <gasps> and then because of the loss of staff, I had to just give that up because all my staff for the weddings and receptions stayed with me. So that's the we just concentrated on that, and I'm having a wonderful time doing weddings. Well, that's, that is great. And, and John Harkins is the owner of Harkins the Florist, though John is not the only Harkins Florist. The family business has been running since 1937 when it opened in Jackson, Mississippi during the Great Depression and just before World War II. Wow. Whew. So the business is no stranger to economic headwinds, and neither is John, who has kept flowers blooming and doors open in uptown New Orleans since 1979. Uh, John, welcome out to lunch. Great to be here, Peter. And we've got a lot to talk about. And, you know, I'll tell something that people don't know about you. You're an Eagle Scout, aren't you? Yes, indeed. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> a interesting trivia. <laughs> now, Bonnie and John, you have uh, businesses that deal in what is often regarded as non-essential items. Uh, by this definition, flowers, weddings, and wedding dresses are luxury items. Obviously, though, even in a recession, people are going to get married and have occasions like funerals where they customarily need flowers. You've both been around long enough to have been through a number of business cycles, do weddings and funerals and Valentine's Days, in fact, go up and down with the wider economy? And uh, here's my odd question. And on the buoyant side of the cycle, has the advent of same-sex marriage doubled your business? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll take the first part of it first, uh, and that is I do believe we're recession-proof. We uh, do have some uh, impact from uh, a downturn, the uh, mid-'80s uh, oil uh, debacle was the uh, the main thing that's impacted me, but uh, as you mentioned, my parents started the business during the second dip of the Great Depression, 
And uh, I have a theory that it can actually work in reverse, and that is during tough times when uh, the guy can't buy his wife a mink coat, he can't buy her a new Mercedes, he can go out and buy a dozen roses and for a minimal uh, outlay, uh, still feel like, you know, the good times are here. Denied. That's a good point. Uh, to answer your second question, we have begun having a few of the uh, same-sex uh, marriages, uh, and I expect it to grow because New Orleans, I just read, is the second uh, most popular place in the country now for destination weddings. Wow. And we found a wonderful niche since Katrina. Uh, so that we're no longer doing the big Hollywood production numbers so much and the ones where the mother and bride obsess for a full year. Uh, we're getting the uh, professional woman from Washington, D.C. who wants to take care of this uh, with three or four emails back and forth to uh, my wonderful manager. And so we often now don't even meet the brides. We wow, make a, a quick, very easy system. delivery on a Saturday morning down to the French Quarter, and quick and easy, it's a wonderful new area of the business for us. Wow. Now, Bonnie, you've, uh, you know, pr probably people ask you all the time about the bridezillas and all that, that kind, of, kind of thing. You, you, you deal with people in a very high-stress time of their oh, life. Oh, yes, I've been through it all. <laughs> but I, uh, as I say, I'm not doing the dresses any longer, and that was the real stress. Okay. That was when the girls were very, very hyper and everything that could go wrong went wrong. And, you know, you had to be the nursemaid to them because they, nothing else was produced yet. The only thing that they have in their hand is either the dress or the invitations. Everything else they don't get till the day of the wedding. And so now I'm part of that day of the wedding when they're there to have fun. And so I'm having a wonderful time having fun with my brides. And I must agree with... This gentleman on my side here, that the destination wedding business has been phenomenal. And yes, we are the second biggest wedding destination in the country. And 90% of my business is destination weddings. That's And phenomenal. I booked one yesterday where I did not meet the couple. They booked over the telephone. And they set up an appointment to meet me in April. So that's the kind of business we're doing today. And it is wonderful. Why? And you both have, you know, you're in businesses where you have great stories. And I guess it's not surprisingly that both of you have written books. So uh, let's see now. John's is called, what, Confessions of a Flower Child? That's it. And, um, and then yours is it's, it's, it's House, House of, Roll. of Roll, the inside story wow. from Russia to Hurricane Katrina. <laughs> and and is that, is that where we started in Russia here? Uh, my father was born in Russia. And what was Russia at that time uh, is presently present-day Lithuania. And that's where he became fascinated with the frogs. <laughs> that's right. We were talking earlier. You Right. And so my book is a lot about his determination and inspiration. He's, uh, he was quite an interesting guy and uh, came from Russia and started here in America in 1915. So. Wow. And, and you, the other thing about it, when I was thinking about this earlier, was you both have your names on the business. So, I mean, you are the business. And Correct. It, there's got to be positives and and negatives to that, I guess. It, you, you are the image. I mean, you're the image of the business. Uh, you've, you've got to always be on, I guess. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, John, you've had, uh, you've had all kinds of... I read, I read your book, and I thought it was uh, terrific. Uh, you've had all kinds of 
odd things occur, uh, which makes me ask you the, the question I saw in your book is, what is in that powder that keeps flowers uh, fresh? <laughs> Apparently, you, it was an interesting story there. Okay, this goes back to early 1980s. Uh, when it first clicked with me that uh, New Orleans is a very different place than doing flowers in Jackson or Baton Rouge. I had a very proper uh, uptown lady come in, and this was back in my London after the war building days when most people wouldn't even get out of their car on Lower Magazine Street, let alone come into my shop. So this very well-dressed State Street lady came in, and I'd had an idea that I should have patented but didn't, and that is uh, floral preservative was available to us in drums, but no one had started making the little packets that are so common now. So I would take an, uh, one of my little envelopes that we put cards in, spoon in uh, some floral preservative, and give it to everyone. So a day or two later, I get a call from this woman, and she's just in a panic saying, what is in that powder? And I said, ma'am, I can't tell you. It's a trade secret. The Dutch developed it. That's all I know. And we went back and forth. Oh, no, you are going to tell me. You must tell me. And so finally, I just had to bring this to a head. And I said, well, why are you so interested? And she said, because my doctor says I must find out. And I said, well, that just begs the question, why does your doctor want to find out? She says, and finally, she was a little flustered for the first time in the conversation. She said, well, I don't know how it happened, but somehow I got confused and, and I had that preservative in my powder and in my purse and I brought out the wrong one and it went up my nose. And so this is story number one in the introduction to my book. And it was, it was back, way back then that I decided, you know, they're going to be stories. And so I've collected them over 35 years, and I'm enjoying telling them throughout the book. Uh, that's story number one, and then uh, the ultimate story is in the epilogue, one that I'm not going to share with anyone till. Have you written get this yet, or? Oh, yeah, the it's epilogue? in there. Okay, all right, okay, I didn't know. You, you may go back. There are only five copies out there, and you have one of them. Yes. So you may can check it I, out I in will, the epilogue. I will do that. I will not sell it on eBay around, no. around here, anything, anything <laughs> like that. They, uh, you know, this is the part of the show that I, I always get a kick out of. It's called the, the checklist part where we uh, ask you uh, a little question during the break that you probably wouldn't find in a loan application. And, you know, you, you two have been such good business people and sur survived a lot of uh, changes, and I thought these would be perfect. Um, first, I want to start with Bonnie and say that who has been the really the most helpful person in your life to getting you to where you are now? My dad. Definitely your dad. You said Definitely he, my dad. He no came, question about came it. over in 1915 and... Uh, uh, and I was, I was a late child and uh, he, he wanted a son, but he got me. <laughs> <laughs> so he taught me all the basics of, of being in business. He said it takes three years to break even and five years to make money. And he says most people don't understand that and that's why they fail. So they give up too early. Yeah. Uh, they don't have enough perseverance. And was that the correct advice? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. They, uh, Amazing. <laughs> and, and John, um, you know, you're, you're, you run the shop and all, but who do you turn to for advice? Well, I'm very fortunate that I have a real pro who's been with me since uh, shortly before Katrina. That's my manager, Peggy Hamilton. 
And she's the one who began the website for us while we were shut down for Katrina. She's been in the business uh, almost as long as I have. Uh, started out up in Maine, ended up down here. And serendipitously, one time I made the uh, bold move of putting an ad in the Picayune looking for a designer, something you just don't do. But there was this one time I was really desperate, and as fate would have it, Peggy just happened to pick up the paper out in Laplace and came and interviewed, and we've been a great pair ever since. She has the complete talent of computers that I'm totally lacking in, and she has taken over weddings and event planning for me. Uh, she does all the buying. Uh, so you might ask, well, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> and my answer usually is, well, at this point in my life, all I do is talk. And I love to talk, and I'm on the telephone with my customers. People identify the business with me, as you said. And I love for people just to come in the shop and sit down, and it's the Irishman in me. I just love to talk. And, you know, you get begin to get the point if on the phone they say, well, I'll let you go, or if standing there <laughs> in the shop hands. they start backing out the door. You, you get the message, but... You know, hey, I enjoy talking. I love my business. I've had a great 35 years. Just couldn't be better. Now, you, you've had, both had probably ups and downs in, in hiring people. Is there any clue you can, you can give our listeners to what makes a good hire or maybe a, a secret question you've asked? That's, uh, you sound like you were pretty lucky on the one from Maine. Absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, well, I, I, went to a, I used to go to a lot of seminars when I was going into the, you know, working through the business. And one of the best seminars I ever went to, it cost me $500. It was the best money I ever spent. And it taught me, I always felt that I wasn't motivating my employees enough. And it taught us that you don't need to motivate anybody. You need to hire motivated people. And that, mm. that taught me more than anything else I've ever learned. So you're kind of beating yourself up about, about I it. I was, and, yeah. yeah. I was before that time. And then I realized, you know. But at one time, I had 45 employees, so it was... Wow. Yeah, this is was, when you're still in the dressmaking oh, yes, uh, business. Mm -hmm. Wow. They, and yet, I, I look around, and I, I think, you know, your business, your people are having your own business. Did you ever, ever want to work for someone else, or that once you start to make it on your own, you could never really go back to that? Is that, is that what happens? I don't think I could. You couldn't. They, and John, you were a, uh, a high school counselor and... Uh, right. For the teacher for yeah. 10 years, and, uh, and I went from getting the Outstanding Teacher Award my first three years to being fired twice in my <laughs> last two positions. And this is said to be a great uh, basis for having your own business. Is to get fired. Because you know, yeah, yeah, just once, and I got fired twice. So, uh, you know, where do I go from here? And it's, it's wonderful. I could never, ever work for anyone else. Jeez, that's a great... Now, that's what people ought to be thinking about here. So yeah. when you get fired, get yourself this fired, is a sign Then to you can go into small business. <laughs> Non-essential small business. That'll be... Uh, when, when I wasn't good... May I kind of, yes. When I wasn't good enough to work for the, new, uh, the uh, Yellow Pages as an artist, I went into my own business. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> yes, when I was 19. Now, I, this is the part of the show we call the Pay It Forward segment, and it's where we ask our guests to generously use their experience and expertise to help an entrepreneur with a new business. And today we're uh, taking a look at a new concept. It's a food outlet called Smoothies and Things Cafe. Uh, they make health-conscious foods and beverages to provide a healthy alternative to unhealthy fast foods. Uh, Smoothie and Things is founded by Darian Clark. Uh, Darian is a graduate of the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business uh, is a program out in Delgado. Uh, this, is a, this is a great group. We've had them on the show. And he has three outlets, uh, one on Claiborne Avenue, one in Hammond, and one in Montgomery, Alabama. I, I'm supposed to get the overflow crowd from the Hank Williams Museum there. And uh, uh, Darian doesn't intend to stop at three outlets. He writes to us and asks, how do you think we could expand our market? And John and Bonnie, healthy fast food seems like a good concept. Uh, as business owners, I'm sure you've seen a lot of great ideas come and go over the years. Uh, success, of course, is in the execution. What advice would you give Darian to grow his business up against competition, and big competition like Subway, for example? I would suggest that somehow, uh, no matter how many locations he has, he uh, somehow create the illusion that uh, it's a mom and pop. Uh, I think people here in New Orleans especially uh, have this point of view of, we just don't do chain restaurants. So if there can be some way that it, it becomes locally named and there's a manager there and people can identify with uh, someone just as they identify with Bonnie and with me, uh, that he would uh, do a much better job than just, you know, here I am, another smoothie company or whatever. Uh, the other thing I would say, and uh, that is, uh, it's all about the computer these days. I am the original dinosaur, and <laughs> I, you know, have need help sending an email. But uh, Peggy first uh, during the Katrina hiatus, and uh, now I've, in addition to Peggy, I've hired a, a personal assistant who uh, spends much of his day just leading me, the blind man, through uh, the world of the internet and the website. I would never, ever have guessed, even 10 years ago, that I would be talking to uh, servicemen in Afghanistan and Iraq, and I've talked to Australia, the Arab Emirates, Finland. You never know when the phone rings who's going to be on the end of the line. So even if it's not you that takes over the technology side, bring somebody in. Bring someone in who knows it, backward and forward. You know, Bonnie, the importance of Pinterest now. All I know is the word. But I know with brides, <laughs> if you're not in with Pinterest, you are sunk. So, uh, you know, got to have that basis there, uh, more so than most anything else now. Just well, as important as the product you're turning out. That's good advice. Bonnie, what do you I think? I would have to agree with that. It, it is a whole different world today. If you don't have good website and good interchange with all of those different products, you're sunk. And can you and do that? The thing that John's talking about, kind of uh, where you get the efficiencies of a uh, multi-units and franchising kind of efficiencies, but the, the feel of a mom and pop, it's, it's possible? I think in theory it would be. I've uh, always just stuck to the one business, uh, the one location. Uh, my father, back in the 1940s and 50s, had six flower shops in a relatively small city, Jackson, Mississippi, and he had 20 greenhouses where he grew most of the flowers. 
He had a growing operation for uh, shrubs and uh, contracting uh, landscaping, even went throughout the southeast. I am one who is in the flower, retail flower shop today because I naturally gravitated to the one place that had air conditioning. <laughs> no fool here. <laughs> and I also learned that uh, I can make a lot more money in one location where I'm there, hands-on, watching everything, than spreading out shops throughout the, uh, the city. And so going back to my suggestion before, you really, really need a great hands-on manager on site who's going to treat it as if it's their baby, even if it isn't. So he has to find his Peggy, I guess. Got to find his Peggy. <laughs> uh, Bonnie Broll, John Harkins, you're both longtime members of the New Orleans business community, and for years your accumulated business wisdom and experience uh, has been invaluable to younger entrepreneurs and your contributions to countless New Orleans occasions like Mardi Gras and, and weddings and funerals make your business part of the local fabric and the personal histories of many New Orleanians. So thank you so much for joining me today and out to lunch. I learned a lot. There's <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Bonnie Broll from House of Broll and John Harkins from Harkins the Floors. To find out more about Bonnie's Brides or John's Blooms, follow the links on our websites, www.no.org and itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday through Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. The irreplaceable Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can get the show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsneworleans.com and wwno.org. Support for Out to Lunch comes from PreSonus Audio Electronics. PreSonus makes Studio One music production software, Studio Live digital mixing consoles, Eris Studio monitors, and more. More information about Baton Rouge-based PreSonus is online at PreSonus.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting and WWNO for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. I look forward to meeting you here again next week for Out to Lunch Around the Table here at Commander's Palace. Till then, be well, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch on WWNO provided by the law firm of Jones Walker and Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Louisiana. Additional support comes from Fidelity Homestead Savings Bank and Resource Management, LLC.